Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Wavelet, Jaglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Two, two, boom! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozich. Smoking Gun Shaman Hall production. Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't know. That just happened. That just happened. Another great edition of First Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America, and we are so happy that you're going to spend a few minutes this morning, well, about an hour approximately, uh, joining us here on this program. Mike Bozich, Mike Carter is uh, MIA today, as uh, he had some other duties that he had to tend to, so we're going to be joined in a few minutes by the natural Rich Matei, who will be sitting in for Mike Carter. We're going to take a look at some of the action at the Red Mile coming up. The Grand Circuit is getting underway, and I'll tell you what, that's a sure sign of fall, a sure sign that fall is in the air when the Red Mile Grand Circuit meet starts, and we're going to take a look at some of those races. Plus, we're going to hear, uh, we've got a lot of meets opening up, actually. Well, not a lot, but uh, certainly a, a fair share. We've got Western Fair, which is going to be opening up, coming up on Monday, and we're going to be joined by uh, the director of racing there, Greg Blanchard, along with the fine track announcer at Western Fair, Shannon Sugar Doyle. They have done an outstanding job over the past couple of seasons, creating awareness for their racetrack and their gambling product. And uh, they had a very interesting poll that was out a few weeks ago, or maybe close to a month ago, about uh, perhaps putting in a passing lane at Western Fair. Whatever happened to that, we're going to see. We're going to talk to uh, Greg Blanchard and Shannon Sugar Doyle coming up here in just a few moments. Plus, it's our opportunity to sit down and talk to one, in my opinion, one of the finest announcers in the game, Darren Gagne up at Running Aces. And, of course, Running Aces just wrapped up their season last week. And I know over the last couple of months that you got kind of used to hearing Darren Gagne's voice here on the program as he talked about all the action at Running Aces in the Running Aces segment. But we never really had a chance to catch up with Darren and talk a little bit about his career and uh, his announcing and some of the things that he has uh, done for the sport and how he's gotten involved in the sport. And we're going to talk to Darren a little bit more on a personal level coming up towards the top of the hour. Plus, a show first, Brandon Big Ticket Bates will be joining us. Uh, Brandon had a a real nice uh, winner, Mr. Indiana horse, that we actually kind of liked on our Handicappers Corner section of the Post Time with Mike at Mike.com website. And he's going to be joining us here on the program. Uh, and let's see, how did he get his name, Big Ticket? I, uh, I think I've got a pretty good idea. We're going to ask Brandon that coming up towards the top of the hour as well. Plus, 
uh, our man, Get Hot, Stay Hot, Matt Robinson, will be joining the program as well. And Matt's got a little initiative going of his own, and he started a website, and he started a Facebook page, and it's called Support Your Local Racetrack. You may have seen it making the circles around on social media, and uh, we're going to find out what that's all about as well. So we've got a jam-packed program. We're going to bring in our uh, good friends Greg Blanchard and Shannon Sugar Doyle in just a moment here on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. The ball gets rolling after this. Time out. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward point state restrictions. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Want to sport the coolest breeder's crown gear? Head on over to Hamiltonian.com. Get your breeder's crown hats, polo shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, shot glasses, and more. They make the perfect gift for the harness racing fan in your life. Visit Hambletonian.com. Back on post time with Mike and Mike presented by Ben America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. A lot going on in this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Uh, like I said, we've got Darren Gagne coming up towards the top of the hour. Brandon Big Ticket Bates, uh, Matt Gidhunt, Stayhunt Robinson, and now we're joined. Uh, before we bring Shannon in and Greg, we're joined by uh, our guy here, the natural Rich Matei, pinch hitting for Mike Carter, who was MIA today. Uh, Mr. Matei, any idea what happened to Mr. Carter? Should we put a search warrant out for him? He might have lost it. This will down the other day. So anyway, well, Rich is, uh, Rich is pinch hitting, and we, Rich, we certainly appreciate you joining us. I know we're going to go over the Red Mile card here in just a few minutes. Grand Circuit action is getting started. Plus, there's a couple of other topics I'd like to talk to you about, uh, and we'll talk about those coming up a little bit later on. But first, it's our good friends from Western Fair. It's that time of year again, guys. Greg Blanchard and the fine voice of Western Fair, Shannon Sugar Doyle. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Great to be here. Hey there. Morning. All right. Well, listen, guys, first of all, and of course, we're going to talk about all the good things that you guys have coming up for the meet. And I know you guys have, over the last couple of years, have just done an outstanding job of creating awareness for Western Fair on social media and has really uh, made it a hot spot 
for uh, a lot of gamblers this time of year to focus their attention on. But uh, you guys had a very interesting poll, I would say, uh, probably about a month ago that created uh, quite a bit of debate. It was uh, installing the passing lane. And as you know, expected, you got a lot of different comments, a lot of different viewpoints, pros and cons. Uh, what was the final result of that, and what did you guys uh, decide to ultimately do? Well, first of all, Mike, uh, thank you for the nice words. Um, uh, we we certainly try hard, and we, we appreciate that. Um, yeah, we we had a poll. We, we'd contemplated maybe adding a passing lane, and we know that's uh, a controversial topic in, in horse racing. It's The feeling's pretty divided on them, uh, you know, one way or the other, and so we, we had uh, actually Standardbrook Canada put a poll out for us on, on the topic, and we had, I believe, around 2,300 responses, which we thought was pretty substantial, and uh, opinion was, was split, just pretty much as I thought it would be. So um, at the end of the day, we, we, we took that into consideration. Uh, we felt going in that um, you know, for a half-mile track, we like the racing style here. We think the product's... Uh, fairly exciting. There's lots of uh, movement and, and flow, uh, relatively speaking, for a half-mile track. So we didn't want to make a change unless we thought it would truly enhance things. And I, I think it could. We were talking uh, a short passing lane, uh, approximately half of the stretch. And um, but having said that, it's something we want to we want to sit on for another season. Um, maybe uh, you know do a little more research into it, and uh, and we'll revisit it probably next season but uh, at the end of the day we don't want to do anything here that uh, will take away from the product we only want to do things that we think or hope will enhance it you know one of the big criticisms of a passing lane in the sport of harness racing is that it leads to less movement during the actual race and you know there are also some good points that could be made for the passing lane now sugar is there a happy medium you think that can be met between the two uh, you know, I've always been one that likes the old school kind of racing. Uh, back when they didn't have uh, passing lanes, uh, when they had the hub rail, there, there was no movement. If, if, if you were locked and blocked, you were not getting out. And that was one of the things I, I have liked about uh, the track here in London. Uh, that being said, it was only going to be a, a half the length of the stretch for 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 a passing lane. And I, I wasn't going to see any driver counting on a short passing lane to get him a win. I, I know uh, other half-mile tracks, if a guy's in a two-hole, rare you'll see him move at three-quarters or anywhere anywheres before that passing lane comes up at the top of the stretch. But ours was just going to be a half the length of the stretch and it's just going to be a, a, a bailout uh, passing lane, more or less, to salvage something. Uh, we're, we weren't going to see drivers counting on that lane to automatically get him a win if he had horse uh, so uh, i i was i was in favor of a short passing lane but uh, I'm, I'm quite happy enough uh, uh, with what we have as greg mentioned there's plenty of flow here uh, guys are out and moving normally shortly after the quarter mile and uh, uh, never really wanted to ever take away from that uh, as mentioned we, we got a good product on track and uh, with or without a passing lane i i, th I think we're uh, we're a good betting choice in North America. No question about it. And I think one of the reasons for that is that you guys are taking the time to communicate 
and, uh, you know, just basically talk to your racing fans on social media, see exactly uh, what they want, give them an opportunity to voice their opinion. And I'll tell you, it is certainly shown. And, uh, Greg, I'll throw this next question to you. Uh, over the past couple of years, obviously, you guys have seen a, a very good handle increase. You've seen a lot more attention paid to your racetrack, uh, racetrack as far as uh, from a gambling perspective is concerned. What are the good things? What do we got looking forward to coming up here in 2017 for this meet, getting ready to start on Monday? Well, we've got uh, a busy October, and that's uh, something that's grown the last few years. So we'll try and kick off with a bang on our uh, grand opening night next Friday. We actually start back uh, this Monday night at 6.15. And uh, Tuesday, we have the Ontario Sire Stakes two-year-old Colt Pace divisions, gold divisions. So that's something new. Uh, We traditionally um, have have not hosted two-year-old uh, OSS events in the fall, so uh, excited to kick off the season that way. And then, as mentioned, the grand opening next Friday, and we'll be celebrating uh, the 250th anniversary of horse racing in Canada. The Hall of Fame here has been uh, celebrating that at different tracks uh, around the country all summer long, and uh, it'll be our opportunity to do that as part of our grand opening Friday night. So we've got a lot of on-track promotion, of course, that night. Uh, the next weekend, we've got the Forest City Preview races which are um, in essence they're OSS grassroots consolations Uh, it's a a series that we've uh, developed just for the the guys that have had grassroots type horses that maybe didn't get much money during the summer they get a a chance to race for a a bit of a bumped up purse on that night and it's held in conjunction with the new London selected yearling sale which as you know is an amalgamation of the standard bread Canada yearling sale that was held annually and the Forest City sale here in London they've uh, they've come together, they've amalgamated, which I think is fantastic, and we're excited to have that uh, sale right here on our fairgrounds that weekend as well. Uh, brand new event, October 20th, uh, really excited about it. It's called the Veterans Classic. It's a night that we uh, devote totally to celebrating our veterans, uh, both past and present, and uh, the night will be totally geared toward that. We'll have a Veterans Classic pace. Uh, we'll have different branches of the military represented here that night, military vehicles on hand, uh, special performance from a cavalry troop prior to the races, and uh, video tributes to to uh, a number of local veterans as well. And then our Harness the Hope Night uh, and the final weekend of October, our annual night for breast cancer awareness. So a lot of our on-track um, events um, are, are geared toward the first month of racing when we return. On the wagering side, no major changes. Uh, We noticed our early pick three got some traction last year, and uh, so to to try and build on that, we're guaranteeing the pool on that, uh, the early pick three each night at 2,500. And, uh, of course, we've got our two guaranteed pick four pools each and every race night, and our super high five wagers have also been popular. They're all uh, 15% takeout wagers with, the sensitivity to, to take out these days, um, you know, it's important uh, that we keep an eye on that. And any of the new wagers we've introduced have, have had that um, have had that takeout rate assigned to them. So uh, that's a quick snapshot of some of the things we're looking at when we start back. 
All right, one final question uh, before we let you go. Sugar, I'm going to throw this one to you. Uh, as far as us, that'll be attempting our gambling hand and trying to pick some winners come Monday and Tuesday at Western Fair. Obviously, when a, a new meet comes up, you've got horses coming from a lot of different places. What do you think is going to be uh, most important to look for uh, these first couple of weeks uh, from a handicapping point of view in some of these horses, Shannon? This is just something that I've noticed in recent weeks now. A lot of the horses that will be coming here uh, will have been racing at Flam- tracks like Flamborough, uh, Grand River Raceway, uh, Hanover, places like that. There's been some extremely fast miles over Flamborough in the last couple of weeks now. Uh, I've been saying to a few friends, uh, I'm seeing horses that are pacing there in 52 and 53. Well, I know they're going to come up to London, and I know they're not going to show that kind of speed. I'm thinking if you're looking at Flamborough lines and your horse and the horses are going to race here, maybe allow two to three seconds because, uh, yeah, they've really been flying. I don't know if it's been the heat down there. We've had extremely hot weather over the last three weeks, but uh, something is certainly up uh, down in Flamborough with those awfully quick miles. I don't think you'll see the kind of speed they're showing there in London. So just uh, take note of that. If uh, checking out the program lines on horses coming in from Flamborough, uh, they will not go as fast around London. Uh, our track's in great shape. Our track crew does a fabulous job. And uh, the first turn, it's wide open now. We took out some shrubs there, and uh, it looks great. It really opens things up. So I think you'll see them barreling into the first turn a, a little better. Uh, yeah, that's that's one thing that's really uh, going to stick out at me is uh, going to see those quick miles over Flamborough over the last two or three weeks. So beware of that when playing the raceway. Fantastic. Well, guys, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And by the way, uh, coming up for the Western Fair meet, you'll be able to find uh, Mike Carter and I selections on post time with Mike and Mike.com, the handicappers corner. And uh, hopefully we can pick some winners, but guys, we certainly appreciate you joining us and uh, best of luck to you. And we'll be keeping close tabs with you guys throughout the meet. Right on. Thanks much. Appreciate it guys. Thank you so much, Mike. And uh, have a great day. And uh, you guys, you'll be teaming up with guest handicappers, Lou knows uh, guys like the Railbird, Russ Adams. We're going to be happy to be teaming up with post time with Mike and Mike. All right. Fantastic guys. Appreciate it. Have yourselves a heck of a meet. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That was our guys from Western fair, Shannon sugar Doyle and uh, Greg Blanchard and uh, rich. I know that, uh, you obviously uh, are an announcer in your own right, and and uh, some of the calls of Shannon Sugar Doyle, just some great, great calls. Calls a race pretty different, I think. Certainly has his own unique style, and is uh, I think certainly a guy for you know a lot of the younger guys maybe to look up to. Yeah, he's pretty good, and like you said, he has his own style, and that's probably the most important thing of being an announcer. Don't copy anybody or sound like anybody else. Have your own style. And down the stretch they come. (laughs) When we come back, it's uh, our good friend from Hoosier Park, driver at Hoosier Park, and they call them Big Ticket Branded Baits. Do you have any idea why they would call them Big Ticket? I got some ideas. You you got it? I think I got one or two ideas. We're going to find out here officially in just a moment on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment as racing resumes on Friday, September 8th for two weekends of live harness racing action. Then Thoroughbred Racing begins on Friday, October 6th, 2017 and runs through November 11th, 2017. Then harness racing will resume on Friday, November 17th and run through the end of the year. For more information, simulcast schedule and more, visit PlayMeadowlands.com. 
New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. The Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono is fast and phenomenal. Fall racing is here. We race Mondays at 4.30, Tuesdays and Saturdays at 6.30, and Sundays at 7.30. The Ghost and Poltergeist Pace is coming up. Spooky Gray Pacers and a Halloween Spooktacular on October 31st. Sponsored by the Harness Racing Museum and Hall of Fame. Children in costumes are welcome. Stop by the museum gift shop in the racing lobby. The Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Presented by Bet America, Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Deep Purple on the bumper music. That's way before your time, isn't it? I don't even know who that is. That's actually before my time a little bit, but uh, nonetheless, great, great stuff. Speaking of great stuff, it's time. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a show first. We're bringing in Brandon Big Ticket Bates, uh, uh, one of the more popular drivers at Hoosier Park. Brandon, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you? Great. How are you guys this morning? We're doing fantastic. Okay, we've got a good idea of how you got the nickname Big Ticket, but uh, we're going to make it official, and we're going to ask you, how did you get that nickname, and who gave it to you? Well, it started a few years ago back at Hoosier Park when uh, they came up with a celebrity slash all-star driving program, and uh, Janae Erpenbach, she was in charge of things at the time, and uh, she came up with it. And you guys got the driver music there, right? Like if you win a race, you come back and they play the music? Yeah, yeah. And and what and what's your theme song? Get off on the pain. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, were you there was a video that was circling around and gosh, it's been a few years now. Uh I believe it was called the Hoosier Park Hustle. Were you involved in that? Yes, I was. <laughs> was that a, that looked like the, you guys just had an absolute blast recording that. Was it was it as fun as it looked? Oh, it was a great time. Uh, we did that one late afternoon evening there at Hoosier Park, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Well, I'll tell you what, and that's what uh, harness racing is about when it ultimately gets to it. People come into the races having fun, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's a lot more fun when you know you drive home them big winners. We had one, and I, I got to uh, got to say thank you because you actually pointed it out from post time with Mike and Mike dot com back on uh, Hoosier Pacing Derby Day on Friday, where you you uh, talked about uh, Mister Indiana coming in at big odds, and you, you quoted our uh, website. You said, "Hey, somebody did their homework," <laughs> but. Uh, Nonetheless, yeah. you seem like you have a penchant of driving big horses, but let's uh, let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get started in the, the sport of harness racing? Uh, actually, I'm a third-generation horseman. Uh, 
you know, started with my grandpa and his family and then, you know, through my father and uh, his brother and several cousins and just kind of been a family affair. And Hoosier Park, obviously, in the state of Indiana, with the uh, advent of slot machines, is really big, a big, uh, a very big boon for you guys. I mean, uh, of course, you know, uh, the Indiana program, I mean, as far as paramutual goes, and of course, Harness Racing was raced at Indiana Downs as well as uh, Hoosier Park until the change was made. But uh, it's not really that old of a program. But there were a couple of years there where you guys did race when you guys first got up and running where you didn't have slots. And obviously the slots came and it's it's been a big boon to you guys hasn't it yes yes it's uh really helped revive the program and uh it's all around it's a good deal it supports you know uh, the county fair racing where you know a lot of people forget that that's where most of the horses come from they may not be all sire stakes horses or or high level condition horses right off the bat and it gives them a nice opportunity to get their feet wet and learn what they're doing before they do come to Hoosier Park. Let's talk a little bit about Hoosier Park, maybe from a gambler's point of view. Now, it's a seven-eighths mile of a racetrack, um, which is obviously shorter than a mile, but longer than a five-eighths or longer than a half. And, and I know you've probably driven some of the, the fairs around in Indiana with, with half-mile tracks. What Does your strategy change when you when you go to the big track like that at Hoosier Park? Does that big, long stretch allow you to be a little bit more patient? Uh, it does, but it's also very intimidating. It's it's one of the longest stretches in North America, and, uh, you know, some horses, especially closers, you know, they really uh, relish it. And some other horses that may be pretty brave on the half and like those up-front trips, they may come here and wilt late just because it's it's so long and, you know, they they get looking for wires sometimes. And let's talk about some of the uh, some of your more favorite horses that you've driven, my friend. Oh, like obviously, Mister Indiana. I, I like that horse. He's he's kind of a big lazy slug, uh, but he's he's starting to come into his own this year. Um, he he never gets tired. I'm amazed that horse's stamina. He can he can take some brutal trips, which <laughs> I guess sometimes helps me out. But uh, he just he's just class. He gets a little rank a little bit after the race, but uh, once you get him fired up and headed to the gate, he's all try. Um, yeah, no question about I that. I think, I think yeah. we saw that. Fr- I think we saw that Friday night, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I had a trotter years, a few years ago, named I'll Show You How. Uh, bought him as a yearling, and uh, this was all pre-slot, and he made oh, right around one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars the hard way. Uh, just a nice, honest horse. He was beautiful. Uh, wonderful to have around the barn and you know he he just tried all the time very nice horse yeah um currently uh i drive a 15 claver for carly roach and uh he's just a nice little horse uh roger culver had him before him and he just he just loves passing horses and mowing them down and he's not scared to be first up and he's just a fun horse to go with Brandon, before we let you go, let's take a look into the future. What uh, before the uh, career comes to a close of one Brandon Bates, what are some of the uh, what what are maybe some of the dream races you'd like to be involved in and perhaps win one day? Oh, you know, being born and bred in Ohio, uh, I guess you know I'd like to participate in the Jug someday. That's that's always every young man's dream. Um, I think that'd be a pretty big high. 
Uh, of course, the Dan Patch here, it's a, it's a pretty big race and get a big crowd for it. And that, that would be nice to, you know, be competitive with that level of horse. Um, as a kid, I always, you know, decided that someday I'd really, really like to win the Meadowlands Pace, but, you know, that may not be in the cards. Well, I'll tell you what, one thing about this business, Brandon, is you never know from one day to the next where it'll take you, but I got to tell you, you're in a good spot down there at Hoosier Park. The Indiana program is definitely on the way up. I mean, look at it over the last couple of years, all the great Indiana brands that have gone on just to do outstanding things. And uh, listen, you guys got a great racing program down there. You've got a uh, a place that seems to care about the sport of harness racing that wants to promote it. The Breeders' Crown is coming up uh, in uh, the at the end of October, so a lot of big things coming up at Hoosier Park. And and I know you have to be thrilled to be a part of it. Yeah, it's it's great. You know, the atmosphere around Hoosier is, is just like no no other track around. I, I've raced everywhere from you know the time they've been 16 on and. Uh, you know, it's like you said, Hoosier Park, they really put the effort in, and they're always trying to get better. Um, it's it's a more relaxed, cheerful attitude on the backside and in the paddock, and, you know, everybody enjoys racing there. And the facility, you know, it's just it's class. There's there's no other better place to race. Everything's clean and kept up, and and you just, you just really enjoy coming there to race. All right. Well, Brandon, big ticket, Baines. Listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And I know uh, that a lot of people are going to be watching off for that name, especially when you're on long shots. Now, before we let you go, one final question for you, Brandon. And, and we've asked a lot of drivers this. And, and you know, we've, we, we get uh, quite an array of different answers. But you, is it more satisfying to you when you have a horse that's 20, 30 to 40 to 1 that uh, can upset the group? and you cross the finish line first as opposed to three or four to five shot or all, all wins basically the same to you. Oh, they're, they're all great, but I still enjoy putting that big number up. You know, it's just when, you, when you're dismissed by the public or, you know, the handicappers or whatnot, and you know, things work out well and you get the job done. That's, that really makes me feel good. I, I kind of get a smirk on my face for those. All right. Well, Brandon, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend, best of luck to you in the future. Thank you very much. All right. That was uh, Brandon Big Ticket Bates. And, uh, yeah, he got the nickname because he drives a lot of long shots and gets them <laughs> home. And, and uh, of course, uh, I don't think I can say this enough, but we had one Friday night. And, well, yeah. you know, hey, blind squirrel can find another every once in a while, you know. Mike Bozich along with Rich Matei, pinch hitting for Mike Carter. We're going to go to a quick uh, commercial timeout here in just a moment, and then we're going to bring in our good friend Darren Gagne from Running Aces. But a couple of things real quick, Rich. First, uh, Rosecroft is getting underway. Yeah. Rosecroft uh, starts Sunday night, and uh, they also have good competitive racing there. Yes, you got a chance do. to announce there. It's it's crazy it's over good. there, isn't it? They're going three or four wider to the half, and if you're announcing, you better be paying attention because they're moving. It, it's good stuff, I'll tell you. It, and it's you know, it's Pete Medhurst up there, the track announcer. The view's good. Yeah. But it can get a little oh, yeah. dark at times. And oh, you yeah. see, you know, you see the horses going four or five wide. I mean, around the three quarter pole, you just yeah. you really have to pay attention and, and be heads up. And uh, I'll tell you, they race. Yes, they, they do. They absolutely race, which adds for value yes. for good prices. One more thing that I want to mention real quick, Rich, before we go to Darren Gandhi. And this is uh, we talked to Mike Carlo, who is the general manager of Northfield Downs. We had him on this show. 
Oh, gosh, it was before Kentucky Derby Day, a couple of weeks uh, before Derby Day. And he had mentioned towards the end of that interview about something that he was going to add to the racing landscape at Northfield Downs that uh, I can't – I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that was going to help the product. That was going to be different. Yeah. And uh, so about, what, four, five, six months later, I think we – have the answer of what it is and it was on a Northfield Downs Facebook post and uh, for those of you that don't follow a Northfield Downs on Facebook I'll read it to you Northfield Downs is excited to introduce the world's first live action virtual reality racing experience come sit in the driver's seat and race around the track like a pro feel the heart-pounding thrill of being in a real harness race. The VR harness racing experience will open the weekend during the live racing. Uh, live racing is this Friday and Saturday with the first race at 7 p.m. each night. But the first virtual race starts when you come in this weekend and strap the goggles on for the ride of your life. The exhibit is for people 12 and older, and the exhibit opens at 7 p.m. each racing night. And then it goes on to give pictures. And uh, basically, it's... For those of you not familiar with virtual reality or the virtual reality experience, it's you put a thing on your head, right? And it's you got glasses, almost like I know more advanced in 3D now. And uh, there's a TV screen in front of you, and it's like you're right in the action. And you actually sit on a bike, and it's like you're in a real live harness race, and it looks pretty cool. Yeah. It really looks cool. I might have to try it. I might have to make the trip to Northfield Downs and try it. Well, listen, I've always wanted to be a driver. Okay, I've always well, believed. Believe it or not, I've always wanted to be a driver. But I will be honest with you. I, you know, and I've rode that starting car a couple of times, and I know you have too, Rich, and you've been up close. It can get scary out there, and these guys that drive make it look so easy. Yeah. But you know, I, I mean, I, will, I'd like to get on the bike. I'd like to get in the bike one of these days. Can I fit in the bike? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm sure you could. Uh, okay, well, after this cabbage <laughs> soup diet, I, 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 I better. <laughs> when we come back, <laughs> when we come back, oh, it's our God. good friend Darren Gaudier from Running Aces, and we're going to talk to him about his career on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Well, 
Mike Bozich along with the natural Rich Matei back here on Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Rich Matei sitting in for Mike Carter. Still a lot left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Matt Robinson will be joining us. We're going to talk a little bit about his support, the local racetrack initiative and uh, he's got a website and he's been promoting this thing on facebook and we're going to find out what that's all about in just a couple of minutes but first do not adjust your uh well i guess it's not a radio dial anymore but whatever kind of dial that you're using don't adjust it it is not the running aces segment but we are joined nonetheless by the fine racetrack announcer at running aces and they just closed their meet last week his name is darren gagne darren how are you welcome back my friend Doing very good, Mike. Thank you for having me. Hello there, Rich. It's a pleasure to be on the show with you guys today. And this is uh, a little bit different because, you know, for those of you that don't know, we do tape the Running Aces segment ahead of time. So this is actually a little bit different because you're on live with us. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about you and your announcing career and and kind of where you got started and maybe some of the uh, techniques that you used to announce a race. But first, let's talk about uh briefly the running aces season and you guys just i mean by all the looks of things by all the pictures on facebook and twitter and social media it looked like you guys just had one heck of a meet we did we we absolutely did we had a great season back in 2016 and we knocked it out of the park again this season with uh, numbers double digit above uh last year so it's pretty amazing. We continue to grow each year and move forward. On-track attendance, Mike, um, 36% over last year, which were already fantastic uh, crowd figures last season. So we're, you know, we're averaging right around 1,600 people um, for live racing every night, which in this day and age for harness track, very, very strong numbers. Absolutely. And when you talk about uh, the live attendance, I mean, I, I would, you know, I'd go venture to say that you guys are probably one of the top harness tracks as far as uh, live attendance is concerned. But, you know, listen, it is very good to see those Facebook photos and, and Twitter photos of all the people watching exciting live harness racing. Uh, it is really, really good. And I know that you kind of have to feed off the the roar of the crowd a little bit and it could tell I could tell in your energy level when you announce a race. Do you feed off that crowd a little bit and in your announcement without without question. Do do you have no do doubt. you have a sliding no window up there? Do, can, can you hear the crowd up there? I do. I have a window and I, it's great. I love to get that you know feedback from the crowd, the roar from the crowd. Um it really feeds into my energy. No question about that. And uh, on top of that, I I actually try to call races from the racetrack apron at least once a week, which is really fun. The fans absolutely love it. When I'm outside, I do something called beat the announcer or losing ticket drawing, have people come up and try and make picks for the upcoming race and see if they can top my picks i let them pick first and then if they take my selections i take you know somebody else and give them a chance to win some betting vouchers things like that also answer questions and sort of thing in between races so have a lot of fun with that they absolutely love it the energy level of the crowds is amazing so it makes it really fun yeah, it certainly does, and uh, that's one of the things, like I say, about your announcing is it's very energetic, uh, really makes every single race very, very thrilling. Um, and Darren, from reading a couple of things, it looked like you were from Michigan, um, and you were uh, – Well, actually, I'm from, 
I'm from New Hampshire, actually. New Hampshire, okay. So okay. I grew up in, in New Hampshire and racing. My family had, you know, race horses, and we never had any great horses, but we raced um, Hinsdale back in the day. You know, Hinsdale Raceway was like, you know, 20 minutes from our home base in New Hampshire. So started out there racing Hinsdale, Scarborough, Foxborough, and then all the New England fairs. And occasionally at the end of the season, if we had a horse that was somewhat good enough, we might go down to Saratoga for a couple of starts or something like that. So I grew up in racing like that. And uh, I always had an interest at starting from a young age of, of being an announcer. Um, the only thing I did with it at an early age was I called some races at like matinee type, uh, you know, in the beginning of the season in the spring when horses are getting ready and getting some lines in qualifying. We had a few different little matinee meets, had an opportunity to call some races at those. I was like 12, 13, 14 years old, but never really did anything further with that, the announcing uh, thing until uh, later in life, probably in my mid-20s after I moved down to Florida. So uh, I lived close to Pompano, and I was working, you know, in restaurant management, a corporate job, and I was working like 80, 90 hours a week, and one day I just woke up and said, I'm not enjoying this. I'm working my butt off, you know what I mean? So I was like, I always wanted to be an announcer. So I just went to Pompano. I talked to Gary Seibel, who was transitioning from being the – he had been the announcer at Pompano for like 20-odd years, was transitioning to, into management there. And he's like, come in, and then Steve, we've already hired Steve Cross to be the new announcer here, but uh, we'll get you set up with him, and you come in and call qualifiers. Steve had an open door for me, so I called qualifiers, and I learned how to, you know, learn the trade. And then he let me come up, like, two or three times a week and call the last couple of races every night. So I owe a lot to Steve Cross, who gave me the opportunity to learn, um, It was, and it was a lot of fun. It always helps to have the people that, uh, you know, that help you out to kind of get you involved in the business, because quite frankly, it's it's very tough to get in. I mean, half the battle is trying to get your foot in the door, no matter really how oh, good absolutely. you can call the race. In the beginning, I thought, it, you know, it, it, it can be frustrating. You seem to think, you know, how, are you, how am I ever going to break into this? But if you're persistent and if you, you know, you really put the effort in and you show that you, you know, you really want to do this and that you're, you're trying hard and you're putting in the required effort opportunities do come for you. So I was doing that backup for Steve Cross at Pompano and some, some things opened up to Michigan. So I went out there I started, I left, you know, picked up my life, went out to Michigan <clears throat> just to take like a 60 day meet at Saginaw, not knowing what, you know, and the pay wasn't that great in the beginning for me, you know, taking that job, but it was my getting that, my foot into the door and into the industry. And, you know, so I got established at Saginaw within being there for a few months, I was hired for the upcoming meet at Sports Creek and things just filed from there. I went, you know, on to work at the entire circuit Jackson. I also worked at Northville and so forth. So, um, and when I started out in Michigan, things were still pretty okay. I won't say they were greater you know, but they were pretty okay in terms of we had plenty of racing dates and plenty of racing right. opportunities. So it was still a full-time, you know, job, let's say. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I was, I was, several, I was that's, that's, that's good that you bring that up there because I was at Hazel Park uh, and I started there at 2004 and there was still 
150 racing days at, at Hazel Park in, in Jackson and Saginaw and Sports Creek was still around. Now it's uh, down to Hazel Park Thoroughbreds and, and Northville Harness. So, uh, you know, I mean, not right. a good thing for Michigan, a tremendous, obviously. Tremendous uh, different landscape. Uh, yeah, tremendously different landscape. Yep. I mean, obviously the numbers for handle and attendance had been on a decline for quite some time. But as I said, when I arrived there in the late 1990s, there were still plenty of racing dates and racing opportunities. When I first started at Sports Creek, we raced something like 130 or 135 days a year. Then we had uh, Saginaw that raced about 65 days a year. And then Jackson, about 55 split between a spring meet and a fall meet. So almost the entire year was covered on the B circuit which is what I worked. And then you had a, a good 40 to 50 county fairs on top right. of that. So some additional opportunities. I called it at least a dozen fairs every summer as well. So I kept very busy for the first several years. But then dates started cutting back first a little bit each year and then some dramatic cuts, which made it really tough to uh, actually be able to make a full-time living out of it. So, yeah. and obviously the landscape now, as you mentioned, is just, you know, you have thoroughbreds now at Hazel Park, which is a shame in itself. And, you know, they race two nights a week for how many months at Northville Downs. Um, it's sad because Michigan was one of the premier states for harness racing for many, many years. Yeah, and you you know what, and Darren, you still see a lot of good horses and a lot of good horsemen uh, from Michigan go other places. Oh, absolutely, and and, and do very the well. The influence but... uh, from Michigan harness racing can be felt across across the entire north uh, across North America. You see a lot of the good Michigan horsemen now racing in Toronto, or you see them on the East Coast. Certainly, see them in Indiana at Hoosier and so forth. So, yes, definitely. And now you're at Running Aces, and obviously you're doing a great job there. Tell us a little bit about some of the techniques that you use to call a race. I know that, you know, and we're all announcers here, everybody's got their different little tick techniques and tricks that they use to try to identify horses. Um, what are some of the things that that, uh, that you do up in the announcers booth? Well, um, some of the main, I think, probably things that we all do, obviously you're going to rely most heavily usually on the driver's colors. Um, try not to go with saddle pads too much. Um, and then you try to pick up little things like, uh, you know, color of the bike or if this driver uses a bike with green wheels, all the, you know, those types of things or a horse is wearing a yellow shadow roll. You can pick up little things like that and make little side notes. Um, so, yeah, that helps. Um, with me, like I said, going down into the crowd and calling from the apron, it, it there there's lots of challenges with that. Luckily, I have very good vision. I'm blessed with that, thank the Lord. So I can see pretty good. Um, but it does get in the corners a little bit tricky at times. But uh, – you, you know, you, you rely on experience more than anything else, you know, as you go along. But uh, it's a lot of fun. That's the main thing. I try to make the races exciting and fun for the fans. And we all have our different styles. But I'll tell you what, some very, very talented people uh, calling races and harness racing these days. Really, really a lot. Yeah. Absolutely, there certainly is, uh, Darren. One more final question before we let you go. And uh, we, you know, when you when you put your career to bed, when you put your career to wrap, uh, after it's all said and done, what is the crowning achievement that you that you'd like to be able to uh, to say you did as an announcer? What's that big race that you want to call? 
certainly I'd, I'd love to be able to call some of these grand circuit races. Um, you know, I, I'm in awe of you guys over there on the East coast to get the opportunity to call some great races, um, where you're located at there at Philly, you know, you've got the Ben, you know, you've got those nice Betsy Ross races and things like that. So, um, any, you know, any of those, uh, high profile races certainly would be fun to do. Um, but uh, I'm certainly content to just be a part of the sport that I love and be able to uh, uh, provide excitement and uh, make the races more interesting and fun for, for the fans at any level, really, to me. Certainly, someday I'd like to be able to call one of those high-profile races, and you never know. The opportunity may come my way. Um, but uh, I'm perfectly content where I'm at. Uh, I'm on a great track. Um, fantastic people there, not only uh, staff, but fantastic crowds come out, horsemen, the best, some of the best in the country. So it's a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun with what I'm doing. All right. Well, Darren Gagne, we certainly appreciate you joining us. We just absolutely love your work at Running Aces, and uh, we're already looking forward to next meet, my friend. We are, too. Thank you very much. And uh, and you know what? Time goes by pretty quickly. So we'll be at the doorstep of the uh, next meet at Running Aces pretty quickly. All right. And that, you know what? And that's good news because that means that winter's over and we're ready for some nice weather again. I, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea where this summer went. This thing was a, it was a blink of an eye and uh, and it was gone. And, you know, that's that's. Kind of sad because we know what's uh, coming up with the cold weather, and uh, and I know that it gets pretty darn cold up up in Minnesota. <laughs> it does, no doubt about that. No doubt All right, about Darren, that, my friend. Darren, we appreciate you joining us, buddy. Been my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk to you soon, guys. All right, that was Darren Gagne, the fine voice of Running Aces. And uh, Rich, listen, you're a young announcer. You're, uh, you know, you're paving your way, feeling your way out, and, uh, you know, you're going to end up at a racetrack sooner rather than later uh, calling the races. What uh, what would be the, the number one race that you would like to call? If you had one race that you can call, what, which one would it be? Now, both Harness and Thurber will open it up, but you can't say the Kentucky Derby. I'm not. Okay, wh- which one would it be? Um, either on the Belmont. And don't say the King's Bishop. I, w- I was going to, actually. <laughs> <laughs> not the King's Bishop anymore. Yeah, I know. Alan Durkin. Um. Probably the Travers, yeah. since that's Saratoga's premier race, and you know how much I'm obsessed with Saratoga race course. Mm-hmm. Um, the Haskell, since that's where I used to grow up, Monmouth Park and everything. That's where I first started working with horses. Um, and what about Harness? Probably the Hamilton when you enter the Meadowlands pace. Yeah, yeah, definitely good stuff. I, uh, you know, I'll I'll keep it in perspective though, and I can't remember which announcer it was, but. And I, good grief, I can't remember who it is, but we had him on this show and we posed that question to him. You know, what would be the A1 race, your race that you would like to call? And the answer was the next race. <laughs> Whatever the next race is. And I thought that answer. that was a pretty cool answer. All right, when we come back, it's uh, Matt Robinson and he has a initiative going on it's uh, called support your local racetrack and we're going to find out what that's all about up next on post time with mike and mike presented by bet america here at the stable our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse the stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market 
and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Want to sport the coolest Breeders' Crown gear? Head on over to Hamiltonian.com. Get your Breeders' Crown hats, polo shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, shot glasses, and more. They make the perfect gift for the harness racing fan in your life. Visit Hamiltonian.com. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain. Rehab. Rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. The Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono is fast and phenomenal. Fall racing is here. We race Mondays at 4.30, Tuesdays and Saturdays at 6.30, and Sundays at 7.30. The Ghost and Poltergeist Pace is coming up. Spooky Gray Pacers and a Halloween Spooktacular on October 31st. Sponsored by the Harness Racing Museum and Hall of Fame. Children in costumes are welcome. Stop by the museum gift shop in the racing lobby. The Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Back on this edition of Post Down with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Rich Matane, pinch hitting for Mr. Mike Carter, who will be uh, joining us once again next Thursday. Got a lot going on. Breeders' Crown is coming up. Rich Matane, but I can't wait. We're going to be live on site, broadcasting all of the action from Hoosier Park on uh, that Friday and Saturday, uh, October 27th and 28th. 27th and 28th. Uh, hopefully, the weather will uh, stay on because the weather can be iffy in that part of the country yeah. when you get uh, towards the end of October. I mean, honestly, you can have 90-degree days and you can have 40-degree days. You can have rain. You can have snow. You can have clear skies. We just we just don't know. But right now, it's uh, and it's a little bit too out of the range to try to predict the forecast. But nonetheless, oh, we can boy. guarantee that the action will be hot on the racetrack. So make sure you stay logged on to our website and uh, Twitter and Facebook for all that pertinent information as we get closer to the two days of action, the Breeders' Ground. Right now, it's our good friend Matt Robinson joining us. Uh, Matt, you've got uh, an initiative going on that you'd like to talk about. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back on here. How you guys been? We've been fantastic. And, uh, well, listen, support your local racetrack is something that you started. And we saw a little bit of this on Facebook uh, going back a couple of months. And now you have a website. Tell us a little bit about what this initiative is all about. Uh, yeah. Um, I've been, of course, I'm just living blocks away from Santa Anita Park. I go there pretty much every single day. And, uh, 
every morning I go and get my coffee and I watch the workouts and I also talk to the veterans that's been in the horse racing industry for a good 30 or 40 years so they know what's been you know changing they know what's been going on and I usually talk to them to see what all different it was 30 40 years ago from back then till now and it's very impressive, especially with what you can learn with the veterans in this industry. So when there's a, numerous things that we could possibly do to help this industry, um, of course, you're going to see only a few people at the tracks compared to 20,000 people at the tracks, you know, years ago. Um and then, of course, the field of the race. I mean, some races you would have a whole field, you know, and some races you would only have three or four horses. I mean, there's different aspects and different things that we could do to help the industry. And um, I'm trying to do as much as possible to help every part of it. But, of course, you know, for right now I'm trying to get more people to the racetrack because – you know, you go to a racetrack, you'll probably see 100, 200 people, you know, which is a pretty decent crowd. But that's only pretty much when you have opening days, opening weekends, or bigger tracks, you know, you're going to have the bigger crowds. But what about the other days? You're only going to have 20, 50 to 100 people, and I'm just trying to do what needs to try to be done to get more people at the racetrack. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, and, and here's the thing. I mean, the competition, I mean, if you go back, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago when basically the racetracks were uh, going along pretty much unchallenged and the only time or the only place that you can pull a slot machine lever was either in Las Vegas or Atlantic City. I mean, basically, you know, horse racing had quite a monopoly on the gambling through uh, paramutual wagering. And now it's like there are casinos everywhere. And in a lot of situations, casinos have partnered up with, with racetracks. So it certainly is an uphill battle. What do you think there are some of the things that can be done from the horse racing point of view to try to win back some of them gamblers that, uh, you know, maybe lost the casino and other, uh, other forms of entertainment. Well, Mike, I don't know if you noticed my post on Facebook the other day. Um, truthfully, like you said about the, uh, casinos, um, if you look at every single Facebook page, that these racetracks have, and also they run casinos, 75% of them mainly feature their casino. And maybe one or two times a week, they'll feature something with the horse racing. And that's with thoroughbred side and harness side. So that's the what I'm doing. I like to work on the harness side to help you guys out and the thoroughbred side. But... You know, it, it's pretty, I'll say it, it's pretty sad when you have a venue of horse racing or harness racing and these p folks that have casinos at their venues, they just pretty much feature the casino at their venue because I understand it brings a lot of money. But still, you know, we need to think about the horse racing industry as well. So that's... That's what I've been doing. I've been sending letters to every single 
track harness and thoroughbred on Facebook, and I've been getting pretty good. I've got a couple of emails this morning, so um, I'm just trying my hardest to uh, make a difference in this industry. Well, that's good. Speaking with Matt Robinson uh, with the initiative, support your local racetrack. And, you know, Matt, one of the things about casinos is, uh, you know, and, and I think the racing industry realized this when it partnered up with the casinos is that um, the way that the dollar is carved up, it is so much more profitable for a business to turn on a slot machine and make money that way as opposed to a racetrack. And I mean, that's just business one-on-one. That's not taking shots at anybody. That's just strictly business. I mean, you know, when you're talking about taking care and housing, living, breathing athletes, as opposed to housing a slot machine, the overhead is certainly a lot lower and the profit margin is certainly a lot higher. I think the challenge for horse racing now and, and harness racing as well is to try to try to argue their point for viability. And I think there have been a couple of harness, uh, racinos that that have done this and where is the value of of harness racing in these racinos or horse racing in these racinos and i think the value may be the fact that you could actually make it a family event at a racetrack that you can step into a racino with your family with your children and whereas a standalone casino you can't do that and i think that's kind of the angle that racing should take and you know a lot of times during family days or what have you at these racinos you see the actual not only does the racetrack benefit because they're having family day and they have more people and more people are putting money through the paramutual windows but you see the profit margin for the casino go up because if you didn't have the horses out there, then you wouldn't have the families out there. And therefore those people wouldn't be in your standalone casino. So I think kind of that direction is where horse racing may find its, its viability. But uh, you know, you bring up some very good points. Let's um, let's bring it from another point, Matt. I know you're a great handicapper. Um, you know, you, you, uh, you put a lot of winners on the Facebook and Twitter uh, throughout today's uh, primarily in thoroughbred racing, some harness as well. Um, but people love to win money. And I think if the racing industry can show that there is a possibility for gamblers to win money, then I think gamblers would be interested. If racing gives them a, a good bet, a good wager, and uh, gives them a way that they feel they could win money, I think a lot of gamblers would come back. What do you think that racing can do from a gambling perspective to try to bring some of the bigger gamblers back that we may have lost over the years? Uh, I mean, I've, uh, let me go back and, and let you say, let me say that I did do a survey. Um, I did five questions, and I've got like almost a hundred replies with all the different tracks with what their local track was. And the questions that I had was, what's your local track? What would you do to make your local track different or better? And there was a lot of replies about with the percent takeout that they would take out, you know, with the wagering and stuff like that. And then of course, I think a couple of days ago we had like the uh, tax break or something like that. I, I never really read up on it yet, but it was something about with the tax breaks um, with, for the big gamers. So that's good. Um, I see a lot of different things that are changing, which is really good. 
Um, but uh, it's just, like I said, I mean, it, it will take time. I mean, they just need to find that special sauce, just, you know, what people will be able to, that want to do. But uh, I, I really think they are starting to go in the right direction. But uh, like I said, I mean, everything takes time, and hopefully uh, they'll keep on going forward with the uh, changes that they're doing now. All right. Well, Matt, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. Real quick, if anybody wants to follow you, uh, if anybody wants to uh, get involved with this uh, Support Your Local Racetrack initiative, how can they go about doing so? Uh, They could follow me on Facebook, uh, Support Your Local Track. Uh, they could follow me on Instagram, support your local track, and also Twitter, support your local track. And if anybody has any questions, they could email me at info at supportyourlocaltrack.com. And, of course, my website is supportyourlocaltrack.com. All right, very good. Matt, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy, and uh, we'll keep tabs on it. Best of luck to you. Thank you very much, Mike. Thanks for having me again. Yep, that was uh, Mad Robinson. Once again, support your local racetrack.com. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, Rich, there are a lot of different. It's a really complex argument when you talk about trying to trying to market racetracks and and trying to do trying to get people more interested in the racing game, especially with all the different competition there are out there. There's a lot of different competition and it, it goes far above and beyond um, I think, you know, gambling on slot machines. I mean, yeah. obviously we've lost people there, but I mean, we've lost people to a lot of different places. There's just a lot more to do than there was 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah. And plus everybody wants that instant satisfaction and I don't want to sit around every, what a race goes off every 20 to 30 minutes. Well, I don't know. I mean, you've got simulcasting. Though. I mean, true. technically you can have a race go off every couple of minutes. You know, I really like the racetracks and not all racetracks I've been to, not all simulcast places I've been to do this, but I like that action channel yeah. you, where, where they show that whatever next is, coming is up, going next on, they, it on they the throw screen. it on there. Yeah. I, I like that. I, I think you you got, you can't do race after race after race, but you got to give like a minute or two because I'll tell you, I, you know, you walk through the grandstands and you see a lot of people just maybe what are their number players looking for jockeys yeah. or whatever, but they're looking for that zero to minutes, yeah. zero minutes to post. We've done it before. You're just looking for whatever's next, buddy. It doesn't matter where. Yeah. It doesn't matter That's if it's harness or thoroughbred <laughs> or greyhounds or llamas or whatever. We're looking oh, for what's ever next. God. Yeah, sometimes we are. You know, but, you, you know. know. So I mean it's it's a very complicated discussion and uh, I mean it's a discussion that you Plus know takeouts also a complicated thing too for tracks. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I'm not you know I, I'm I'm big right now with fan education. I, yeah. I honestly think that you know it doesn't take much to get new people to the racetrack. Believe me, we at Hazel Park we did Dollar Days. And you just put in dollar days and you put a few ads in the program yeah. and you do very minimal advertising and you'll get people, people out there. I think the challenge is that you have to get people to bet. Yeah. And I, th- and that's easier said than done too, because you get a lot of people that, you know, I mean, they would work all day. The last thing they want to do when they're out for a night of entertainment is they don't want to put their brain to work. Yeah. You know, so you have to f- try to figure out a way to teach them how to wager without making them realize that you're 
teaching anything, if that makes any sense. Plus, um, it can be pretty intimidating going up to those windows. Oh, sure. It's a, it's a very complicated business, and and I know there there are some people that want to um, uncomplicate things, make things very easy. Yeah. And I think there are people that want to go more for the intellectuals, like go maybe f- more for the poker players, you know, maybe go for more of the fantasy players. Now, fantasy players can't get enough of stats. Yeah. You know, so maybe drowning them with too much information, information overload is a good thing. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I think it's it's such a fine balancing act, but uh you know, I mean, it's it's a tough thing to do, and it's very complicated, and there are a lot of different theories out there. And as a matter of fact, Tietrich Racing had a good thread on Facebook a couple of weeks ago uh, just about basic ideas, people sharing ideas of how to make racing better. And, and obviously, there's just a lot of different opinions, Yeah. you know, from gamblers, from horsemen, just a lot of different opinions on, on how to make it better. So, uh, you know, hopefully we could adopt some of those and – you know, move forward. But uh, I will say one thing. I will say one thing. Harness racing is an exciting sport. I don't think that, you know, there's a problem with the sport in and of itself. Um, why we can't attract people. I mean, first timers seem to love it. Yeah. They just don't know where to go from there. And I think that's what needs to be improved as an industry. Well, I'll tell you what, we know falls in the air when the Red Mile Grand Circuit Meet is getting ready to start. And after this timeout, we're going to take a look at a couple of those races, live racing Thursday and Friday at the Red Mile. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Back after this timeout. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Some good news for horse players, and I know you're working feverishly on your ca- uh, your uh, calculator right there. But some good news, and this has been making its rounds on social media. Uh, it was, I believe, first broke by DRF Harness, or excuse me, uh, DRF.com, and uh, it's going to be implemented by TBG today. Yeah. But uh, tax relief, if you will, for horse players that uh, that basically hit for a certain amount, and I really haven't had a chance 
to read up on it very well. I know you were explaining it to me a little bit off the air. Can you tell the listeners what you were telling me off um, the air? Basically, instead of say you put forty eight dollars into the pick four mm-hmm. and you win six hundred over six hundred and three dollars, or was it six hundred and one, six hundred and two dollars? You have to pay taxes. You don't have to do that anymore. It has to be from the amount that you wager. So say you play a forty eight dollar ticket, then it would have to equal fourteen thousand four hundred dollars for you to pay taxes. And it also works as say I played a ticket for forty eight dollars and Normally, if it was over $5,000, they would take the taxes out right there. They're not doing that anymore. So it's actually a pretty huge deal for horse players all around. Yeah, this is good stuff. And uh, this is a very interesting thing. This was spearheaded uh, by the NTRA. And uh, in the middle of this article on DRF.com, it states that the association estimated that handle might grow by $1 billion in the next year. As a result of the revisions, that's big. That's a big yeah. number. That's a bit. You think that's a little ambitious? A little bit. Well, we'll see. But nonetheless, it is very, very good yeah. news. And I'll tell you what, this, that's going to affect you because you are, uh, uh, you well, like the player multi race wagers, yes. yes. And, and, and I put a lot of money into them too. So that's right. And uh, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna pay off when you hit a big ticket. Yeah. If if you hit a big ticket, but no, you will hit a big <laughs> ticket eventually. But, uh, but no, honestly, in all seriousness, you do hit a lot of big tickets, and this is definitely a win. Yeah. Absolutely a win for, for a horse racing. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Red Mile. The Grand Circuit is here. That's where uh, all the big guys are. That's why they're not here at Harris Philly. But you've got uh, Dave Miller, Tim Tietrich, uh, Yannick Jingra, all the guys uh, down at the Red Mile. And we're going to start on Thursday night's program. The Bluegrass Series is getting underway. Two-year-old Colton Gelding Trotters is sponsored uh, by our good friends at Hickory Lane Horse Farm. You've got a purse of $73,000. And we're going to go through these races pretty quickly. The favorite is the second-place finisher in the Wellwood up at Mohawk. You know you do. Yeah. Two-year-old Colt by Muscle Hill, uh, Jimmy Tactor, trained for driver Yannick Gingra. This horse has won four of eight for $326,000, and Rich uh, draws the, the pylons to boot. Yeah, he should be the horse to beat, but I was looking at the three Dawn last time out at Yonkers. This horse might not want that half-mile track, because if you see his race at Yonkers, they are a whole different story than when he's raced at uh, Vernon Downs and racetracks like that where he actually won by two lengths. Now he's getting back to a big track, so maybe that horse is interesting at 9-2. to two. But you also have Keystone Apache, who won on the undercard of Jug Day. So this is a good race. The fourth race, uh, that Bluegrass Series, continues once again for two-year-old Trotters, going for a purse of uh, $73,000. This time, uh, a little bit more of a, an open betting board and the Ron Burke trainee. You need stones. I love that name. You need stones. <laughs> The two-year-old called by Wishing Stone has uh, had some good success so far in his young career. He's won four of seven, just under $90,000, made a break at Freehold. And uh, I'll tell you what, maybe the uh, similar uh, what you just said about Don in the first uh, uh, Bluegrass Series event, you could say the same about Unique Stones. Maybe the half mile wasn't to his liking last time. Yeah, maybe not. And there was also a two-horse field, if you see that at Freehold. Yeah, but so, they were going for fifteen thousand yeah. dollars in that particular race. But uh, well, and you need stones. Uh, got the uh, he got the bad post draw there, <laughs> two of two. <laughs> yeah, he's probably the horse to beat. Also getting back to Yannick Jingra, who's had success with him in the past. Yeah, but he did. You know that horse uh, that finished third in that race, Na, uh, came back to win a couple of races. Oh, so. my <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> 
Race number five. Uh, all your buddies in this one, uh, Batista. Yeah, I know. I was going to pick him in the hand of handicapping, but oh, then yeah. I saw Mets Hall was in, and I had to pick him up. Mets Hall is a really nice yeah. horse. I had a chance to see this horse at Gateway. I think you might have been there, too. Yeah, and, he won here, too. That's right. This horse has just been is very, he, very good. Is he the track record? I think uh, this yes, is, is him. Yes, yes, he is. He is. Yes, he is. And uh, he won a Pennsylvania Sire Stakes Consolation back in September, followed that up with a win in the kindergarten. It's a, a very nice horse. Does start from post seven. And uh, race is quite mature for a two-year-old. You don't see a lot of X's in his lines. No. But, uh, you know, Bautista's in there. And I'll tell you what, Rich, ever since you picked Bautista, he has I know. Just re- <laughs> he has reeled off a <laughs> string of off-the-board for fin- finishes. So oh, uh, no. Jimmy Thacker probably thanks you for putting Putting the uh, the uh, the, the of death on, on that horse. Race number six. Uh, once again, Bluegrass Series continues. A lot of talented two-year-old trotters. Garnett. Nice to uh, that. No, for good friend Garnett Barnsdale is uh, in here for driver Yannick Shingron, trainer Ron Burke. The morning line favorite is is uh, Crystal Fashion. The Jim Campbell trainee has won two events, including a Pennsylvania Sire Stakes win. Three starts back, coming off a third-place finish against Mets Hall. Certainly and no Mets Hall in and you need stones. Yeah. yeah. Race, uh, let's see, moving right along. Race number seven uh, continues this uh, Bluegrass Series, two-year-old trotters, and the uh, Maxis. We saw that horse here. Absolutely. This horse is okay. This yeah. horse, uh, a very nice win, two starts back. A uh, third-place finish last time in the Wellwood, uh, despite having a, a mostly wide journey, but does have to overcome post nine. But that's not really a too tough of a go. It's not like a death sentence at a track like the Red Mile. No, and this horse doesn't really need the lead. We saw him here. He sat off the pace and won that race. So I think he's the horse to beat by far. All right. So that is Thursday's program. They have got uh, a pretty good program. Uh, at uh, Red Mile. Some good uh, wagering value. Uh, sure to pop up there at 10 Horse Field. And uh, let's uh, move right That's along. That's what I need right oh, there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Moving day. right along. To right. Are you looking at Friday or are you still this on Thursday? This is Thursday. Oh, Tinder's well. a lock. Oh, my goodness. Moving right <laughs> along to Friday's program. Please. It's PG here, Rich. It's oh. PG. There's, there's children listening at home for crying out loud. Shouldn't they be at school on um, Thursday? Well... <laughs> Where's Ben? <laughs> they've got they've got our show up in the classroom, by the way. I'm sure that Mrs. Raber's kindergarten class at Cecil Manor has our show uh, uh, live. <laughs> Race two on the on the Friday program. These uh, two year old Philly trotters at action, and uh, of course, uh, Ron Burke and Jimmy Tankton both will be well represented in both of these uh, divisions. But the front circle is a very slight morning line favorite off a 56 and one qualifier. Likes but boy, has been facing uh, the undefeated man Chigo. But the boy, you see a lot of X's in yeah, those lines, a lot of them, especially two starts back when this horse was supposed to win. It looks like down or, the road and broke. Where else do we go? Um, Mega Dolce's coming out of the Liberty Bell. I don't know how strong that was that uh, division was because we had probably what like four or five of them that day. Yeah. Um, was the favorite. Yeah. Tried to go down the road. Just got beat. All right. Race number three starts to pick three. Two-year-old Philly Trotters once again in action. And uh, for some reason, I'm a track master. I don't know how I got there. But uh, $66,000 is the purse. And you've got a field of six here. And the morning line favorite is Mushka Stride. Mark Carter trainee is only making her fourth career start. And she's coming off of a kindergarten win at the Meadowlands last time. Good last the quarter there. Yeah. Three. I, know, I know you're not a last closer guy. I mean, a last quarter guy. But with younger horses, I think. I like when they pass horses. Yeah. That, makes, that shows that they have a sign of maturity at a young age, which helps. 
especially with these two-year-olds. And you see who's in seven carrots. Remember that uh, that that line the one day that they put in the comments. Remember I showed was that you? the horse? Yeah, the money burning equine. <laughs> and look what he did Holy. the next start. <laughs> I hope that horse wins by ten. Race for the uh, two-year-old Philly Trotters. <laughs> Once to get at action, and uh, we've seen the Chanel here. I know, here. I picked her the one day when she got run down. Matt Harris, Philadelphia, and we've seen Piranha Fury here as well. And uh, this horse raced a good second to Perfect Image, Yeah, who everybody knows. And uh, Nifty Norman uh, is the trainer for driver Yannick Shingro. I certainly think she has a good shot. As a matter of fact, she finished second to Basquiat, who came back to win a stakes race at Hoosier Park from post nine. So we'll certainly keep her in mind. Race number six, the two-year-old Philly uh, Trotters once again in action. And Saviorum is a horse that uh, we've seen here at Harris, Philadelphia. This horse uh, was 70 cents on the dollar in the Basquiat race. Basquiat finished second there to Zoe B. Zoe B is no slouch. Absolutely not. She's a very nice race horse. Uh, Swing it, Kathy. Wish I was there in there as well. Any thoughts? Um. The favorite looks tough. You don't think so? Well, I mean, I don't know what, how, why she lost last time. I mean, Dab, Dab Hanover is not a bad horse. I think that horse is pretty good. If you want to see an undefeated, very nice horse, Manchigo yep. is up next. And she continues to creep upwards in the Hamiltonian biggest yeah, crown poll. She is eight for eight, and uh, she obviously has no idea how to lose. No. And she wins her races by open lengths. Yeah. yeah. Not even being asked. And I think that's going to happen tomorrow, too. Yeah. Zoe B's in this particular race, though. And uh, she's got a little bit of uh, giddy up and go towards the end. She started her career towards the front end. And over the last couple of starts, it looks like she's been trying to come from off the trot, which leads me to believe that she's being taught that. Yeah, she must be. So maybe Zoe B can round out that exactly there on the bottom. The bomb. And we saw the bomb. Yep. The bomb's another pretty nice horse, so maybe Manchigo won't have too much of an easy go of it at the three to five. Plus, if you want, you know, your three to five. Three to five. Is, I'm not going to get three to five. She's going to be one to whatever you want it to one be. One to whatever you want it to be. That's an eight-race program coming up. It's uh, always a sign of fall when the Grand Circuit starts after the Red Mile, and that action gets underway tonight. Well, it has been... A very interesting show. Rich Matei, we certainly appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, you can probably see our mugs on Facebook Live a little later. Yep. As we talk about this Thursday program at Harris, Philadelphia. We carry over yesterday. We we'll pick five. Market share is in. We got some good races today. They start at 1240. Good trot races. Market share. Earner of over three, five million. So we've had two horses with a combined of $11 million starting the last three days. Foiled again on Sunday. Yep. The market shared today. That's right. So make sure you join us at 1240. And, of course, we'll be on Facebook Live taking a look at the pick five and our best bets and long shots. And uh, as far as this show is concerned, we will see you again next Thursday with the first post of 1040 or 1030. 1030. 1030. <laughs> I'm confusing the 1240 and the 1030. And that we are each and every one of you to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and keep an eye for our Handicappers Corner section on the website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Are you in this week? You're putting up some selections from somewhere this week, this weekend? Okay, so keep an eye on that. It's the Handicappers Corner section of the website. I know Western Fair is going to be up there for Monday and Tuesday, and I think Mike Carter may be doing Mohawk on Saturday. So uh, keep an eye on that. For Rich Matei, Mike Carter, it's Mike Bozich. We'll see you next Thursday with a first post of 10.30. Good day, everybody. One last call for alcohol, so
No! 